Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday evening message. Tonight's sermon is entitled My Philosophy of Life by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. The message I'm about to preach tonight is a message that is literally my philosophy. It's just philosophy that I have. I live by this. This is what I live by. Now, you know I have five principles I live by, and I've preached those before, and I'll preach them again. But tonight I'm going to talk about my philosophy. I just believe that every person needs a philosophy in your life to keep you alive and well. You know, years ago, they, uh, they did, a, they did a, a little research project, and they put, they put some rats in water on one side and put some rats in water on the other side. And I know that rats are rats, but they, they put them in that water to see how long they would swim before they gave up and drowned. And on one side, after about two hours of those rats swimming around, they put a board in that, in, that, in that water so those rats could climb up on that board and they could catch their breath. On the other side, they did not do that. The rats on this side lived and never died because they knew when they took that board out, they knew if I keep swimming long enough, that board's going to come back. And I'm going to get to climb on that board again and get my breath again. This side never got to climb on a board, and so they died within just a few hours. What are you saying? I'm saying there's some things called the boards of life. There's some things that need to happen in all of us, things we can climb up on, things we can get our foot a hold of and our hands a hold of that mean a world to us. And it will cause us to catch our breath. It will cause us to have strength for another journey, another mile, another race, another time. So if you're here tonight for the first time, we welcome you. If this is your second time, we welcome you. We are, we are doing something very strong in this church. We had summer nights for two purposes. Number one, to bless you. And number two, to try to create habits in your life to come to church on Wednesday night. And you know what? There's nothing like halftime talks. Halftime talks. We're taking time out tonight. This is the hump day. It's halftime. And we're going to move into the latter part of the week. And when we come back Sunday, we're going to be happy because we're in the house of the Lord and also because the horns beat that high school team from Denton, Texas. I love all of you. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. I'm going to preach to you a little bit tonight. On just simply my philosophy of life. I want to talk about this tonight. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 and 23 says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Psalm 68 and 19 says, Blessed be the Lord. Who daily, everybody say daily, daily, loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation, Selah. But I love this one. In John 9, 31, in the New King James, the B part of this, the last part of this, if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Now, the King James Version says it this way, if anyone be a worshiper, that refers to occupation. That refers to an occupation. 
If anyone has the occupation to be a worshiper, him God hears, and he does the will of God. So I'm going to talk to you tonight. There's a popular form of humor recently called light bulb jokes, for example. How many Wall Street brokers does it take to screw in a light bulb? The answer, one, the broker holds the light bulb and the universe revolves around it. Or, back in the day, how many Exxon officials did it take to change a light bulb? The answer was ten, one to turn the bulb and nine to handle public relations. One of my favorite comes out of Hollywood. How many actors does it take to change a light bulb? The answer is 100. One to change the bulb and 99 to say, I could have done that. <laughs> and as someone said, after a person makes his mark in the world, a lot of people begin showing up with erasers because life is full of people comparing themselves with themselves. And it's hard to be me when I'm trying to be them. I think God wants us to be the best me we can be in this life. I don't think God made me to be anybody else. I don't think he made you to be anybody else. I think God made us to be who we are, and we are who we are by the grace of God. You know, a lot of people come to what I call to audit church. They come to audit church. Some of you know what that means. When, when you audit a class in college, you go and sit in the classroom, but there's no outside requirements. You don't have to study. You don't have to take any tests. You get the information, but you don't have the burden of actually passing the class. And many Christians come to church on Sunday morning, Wednesday, and audit the sermon. They go to the class. They have a textbook in their hand. They sit in their regular seat. They listen to the teacher. But all they want to do is audit the class. They don't want to be expected to do any homework. They don't want to pass any tests that God sends their way to check their understanding. And these Christians will pay money to take the class, but they don't want to have to meet any requirements of the class. They also don't expect to receive a degree and diploma from the school. They will have no credit on their transcript. There will be no graduation ceremony, and no one will ever hand them a degree. Is there anybody here tonight auditing this preacher? Please raise your hand. Thank you. So that means we're all here for the right reason, all right? Clap your hands real big. I want to give you four things. God empowers us. Say it. God empowers us. God equips us. God enables us. God encourages us. Which one of those is your favorite? Which one is, is the empower part the greatest that you need? Is the equip part the greatest that you need? Is the enable part the greatest that you need or is the encouragement part? I read about a man that was in the military. He wrote his girlfriend every day for four years. He wrote her every day. He poured out his heart to her, told her how much he loved her. And she in turn wrote him back love letters of her own. Then one day, the letters from her stopped going back to him. And he continued to write, but no response was given. Finally, in an attempt to find the reason for the stoppage in her response, he wrote and asked what was the issue. She wrote back and said she had married the mailman. I want to tell you something. I don't want, I don't want to marry anything in this world when Almighty God writes me love letters every day. I don't want to marry anything. Encouragement is a necessary part of life, a necessary part of Christian life. 
Encouragement is sort of like peanut butter on a sandwich. The more you spread the peanut butter, the better things stick together. Pastor relates to his four-year-old daughter. She was singing in the back seat of the car one day, and this, she was having a good old time singing to herself, and she was saying, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of praise. I need somebody to praise me. I'm here to declare to you right now, there's a God in heaven that loves every last one of you in this house right now. Would you look up to the heavens right now? Would you look up and say, thank you, Lord, because you sent a messenger here tonight to tell us one more time. You sent us a love letter that you love us with all your heart, with all your might, with all you are, and you showed it when you sent your only son to die on a cross for us. I'm going to preach a little bit. In Matthew 20, we're not going to go there to read, but in Matthew 20, the Bible speaks of the kingdom of heaven. First of all, I want to explain to you what the kingdom of heaven is not. The kingdom of heaven is not about old people versus young people. It's not an emphasis on the old nor an emphasis on the new. And it's certainly not a generation gap. You can read this from verse 1 to verse 16 when you get home tonight. The genealogy of Jesus is shown in the book of Matthew. He is the 76th from Adam. He's the 76. Seven is the number of perfection. Six is the number of man. Seven, perfection, God. Six, man became Christ Jesus. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So he was the 76. God became man. That makes anyone who is born of God the 77th from Adam. Now, what I'm saying is the generations... The generations stop when we come into the context of knowing Jesus Christ in our heart. So people that received the Lord back a long time ago have the same experience as those that have just received the Lord 10 days ago. We are the 77th from Adam. We have a double cure, two times the God perfect number, the double cure, saved from wrath and made pure, saved by the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God. Saved by faith through grace, we are saved, not just by one, but by both. Amen. Acts 2 declares that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the word day is from a Greek word which means age, not a 24-hour period. I've talked this before, but an age of destiny means that I can receive, hear me now, the same spirit that the Apostle Peter and the Apostle James and the Apostle John and the Apostle Paul received. God is no respecter of persons. We don't have to look in this Bible and get to feeling convicted because we think that they have more. If God cheated this generation out of what he gave that generation, then he's not a fair God. But we know without a shadow of a doubt that God is a fair God. And God blesses that generation, would you say amen? And he blesses this generation, would you say amen? And there's people that fought against God in that generation and people that are fighting against God in this generation. But God still saves from the gutter most to the uttermost. Amen. He does that. All right. There is no gaps of generation, old, young comparisons. So what if that is not, what is the kingdom of heaven about? Okay, it's about, I'm going to tell you a story. Now, it's about a husbandman who wanted a vineyard taken care of and he goes to the marketplace this is in your bible matthew 20 we're not going to take time to read it 
He went to the marketplace at six in the morning to hire workers, and he found some people who would work for a penny a day. Would you say penny a day with me? Say it. Okay. So he stated the contract, and they accepted. Now watch this. He hired them. And he saw the work was not being taken care of, so he went back at nine o'clock, or the third hour of the day, the, ninth, the third hour of the day at nine o'clock, to hire more workers. Did not promise the second group what he promised the first group. He told the first group, I'll give you a penny a day. But he told the second group, watch this, I will do, he said, what is right. Everybody say, what is right. right. Now, let me ask you something. Do you believe with all your heart that God Almighty has done for you what is right in your life? Can you find any fault in him tonight? Let's talk, all right, let's talk. And the reason I'm talking this is because if any man be, any man has the occupation of a worshiper, him God heareth. God loves worshipers. And the only reason I could think that we wouldn't be worshipers of God is that we thought that God might have something against us or he hadn't done us right because we still have sickness in our family, because we still have problems in our life. As long as you live on this terra firma, you're going to have issues, you're going to have problems, you're going to have situations, but God is still God. It does not matter what happens to you, it matters how you respond to what happens to you in your life. Well, I'm going to preach a little bit tonight. Stay with me now. So he goes at 9 o'clock. He hires more. He said, I will do what is right. At 12, he says, I'm going to do you what's right. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to do what's right. At 5 o'clock, the 11th hour, he said, I will do to you what is right. Now, the 11th hour workers, they come to work at 5 o'clock. The day ends at 6 o'clock. How many like to be on that shift? <laughs> I would sometimes. Okay, first I'd like to say, to all folks who were not in the first group, and none of you were, but can I tell you, you're in the same day of the first group. You're not in a different day. It's the same day as the first group. He said, I will do what is right. Polycarp said, when he was being burned at the stake, he has never done me anything but good. Second, when God sets a covenant, and I want to preach this, he will never break his covenant. Would somebody give me a witness on that? God will never break his covenant. If he swears by himself, he will hold true to what he swore by. And the Bible said he looked all over heaven to try to find someone to swear by one day and couldn't find anybody, so he just swore by himself. I'm here to declare to you, when God tells you something, you can take it to the bank, you can deposit it, you can draw money from it, because God has two great things going for him. Number one, he is God, and number two, it's impossible for God to lie. Oh, hallelujah right now. If God has promised you healing in your family, if God has promised you salvation for your children, if God has promised you things in your life, you hold on to that promise because God is God and he cannot lie. And when he tells you he will, he will do what he said he would do. I'm talking about my philosophy here tonight. I'm talking about my philosophy here tonight. He will not change the original contract. So what's the original contract? Come here, Brother Mitch. Come here, Brother Mitch. The original contract is a penny a day. 
Wow. And the rest of us that came later, he's going to do us right. What is right? A penny a day. So, I don't know which way to go. I just want to go up right now. So, so you got to get this now. So, if he promised the first workers by contract that he would pay every day and he told the nine o'clock boys and the 12 o'clock guys and the three o'clock guys and the 11th hour people the same thing. What he's saying is what I gave and promised, I'm going to give to you. Stay with me. Come on, Mitch. Stay with me. So let me, let me preach a little bit. When you read the book of Acts and you read about healings and miracles, God is not going to take the penny out of the hand of us when he put the penny in the hand of the first church. When you read about deliverances happening and people getting set free from bondages and addictions, he's not going to take the penny out of our hand that he put in the first church's hand. When you read about people getting saved, getting born again, getting touched by the hand of God. He's not going to take this penny out of my hand because he put it in the hand of the original contract workers. Are you with me? This is my philosophy. I, I live by this, okay? I'm gonna, I live by this. Brother Mitch, I'm going to take this out of your hand. You can go sit down. I'll call you back in just a minute. Now watch this now. God cannot lie because he is truth. The devil is a liar. He's a father of all lies. So ask Noah if God keeps his covenant. Ask Abraham if God keeps his covenant. Ask David if God keeps his covenant. Ask Caleb if God keeps his covenant. Ask Moses if God keeps his covenant. He is a covenant-keeping God. But here's what he didn't do. He didn't sign those first workers up for 30 cents a month. He didn't sign those first workers up for 365 cents a year. And for that matter, he didn't sign them up for seven cents a week. It was a penny a day. Hallelujah. Boy, he's a cheap God. Hang on. (laughs) David said he daily loads me with benefits. Pastor Fender talked about it Sunday. He said, said, the Lord said, when you pray, say, give us this day our daily bread. Would you say it with me? God does not make mistakes. With our lives. Uh -uh. He pays the workers from the last to the first. He pays them all a penny a day. Here's the secret. When you sign on with Almighty God, here's the secret to go to work. And here's my philosophy. I've served the Lord with for the last 35 years when the Lord dropped this in my heart. Put it on the screen, sister. The paymaster comes by every day. Would you say it with me? He always shows up. Leave it on the screen, sister. The paymaster comes by every day. Not once a week. 
Not once a month. Not once a year. But every day. Every day. Every day. It has been 12,195 days since my tragedy. Which means I can boast of the Lord for more than 12,000 days that he has shown up in my life every day. Jesus has been showing up in my life every day since the tragedy of 1981. Hear me. He shows up every day because God cannot break his contract because his word is his law and his law is for us that he says if I promise you something I will deliver on that promise and there's 7,000 promises in the word of God and all of them say yes beside him yes 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 hear me right now hear me right now but the condition is not in God's hand the condition is in our hands This is how I made it because God shows up. Jeremiah said his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. There's a beautiful story. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Would you put it up, sister? 1 Samuel chapter 14. says simply this. It came to pass upon a day. Wow. It didn't say it came to pass on a month. It didn't say it came to pass on a year. It came to pass upon a day. That Jonathan said to his armor bearer, hear me now, I want victory today. Those Philistines are giving us fits. They're destroying our, in, our, 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 our homes. They're destroying our, our families. They're destroying everything about us. And Jonathan turned to his armor bearer. And there's only two swords in Israel. Jonathan has one and his father Saul has the other. Because they have beaten their swords into plowshares and they didn't want to fight. Israel went limp. They didn't want to fight. But Jonathan said, I want to fight. Somebody needs to stand up in your dilemma today. And raise your sword that you have in your life and say, this is the day that I want victory in my life. Sometime in your life, you've got to speak. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to say something. You can't just stand there and take it and take it and take it and take it. You got to stand up and say, I am going to have victory in my life today. The armor bearer is right there behind him. He doesn't even have a sword. But he said, as it is with you, sir, so it is with me. (laughs) Because Jonathan would have probably put it, run it through him. Here's what I want to tell you. Put it on the screen. Hell cannot put something on you in a day that the Lord cannot take away in a day. I'm just one of those guys. I'm just one of those guys. I'm one of those preachers. I'm sorry I believe this, but I believe in the power of God. Did I tell you God empowers us? Did I tell you God equips us? Come on. Did I tell you that? I believe in the power of God. I believe that when hell comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Here's what I want to tell you. That is, that's hyphenated wrong in the Bible. That, that's hyphenated wrong. When the, spirit, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him because the devil hates water. 
He can't stand water, so why would he come in like a flood? He don't want any water in his life. He goes out when he's cast out of a house looking for a dry place to put his foot. But where the presence of the Lord is, there's a lot of water involved. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. God wants the best for you in your life. He wants the very best for you in your life. He wants the very best for you in your life. And it's time for somebody on the other end to stand up and say, on this day, I'm going to have victory in my life on this day. How come I read in the Bible that a lame man gets up and walks into the house of God? How come I read in my Bible that a blind man comes forth seeing right now? How come I read in my Bible? Hey, they got the same penny. This may be the key. This may be the key. If any man be a worshiper, if any man takes on the occupation How do I work for the Lord, Pastor? How do I work for the Lord? I'll tell you how you work for him. You get up every morning. But how many of you understand what I'm talking about? You wake up in the morning, and the first thing on your mind is a downer, not an upper. But somebody's got to get plugged in because he's offering you a contract that if you'll sign on with me, And if you'll become a worker in my vineyard, if you'll become a worshiper in my sanctuary, if you'll become a worshiper in your job, if you'll become a worshiper in your life, I will be by and show up every day in your life. Why does it take situations to cause us to call on the Lord? Why don't we pay pay it forward? Why don't we just say, this is a day he's made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad. I'm going to rejoice and be happy. I don't have to have anything wrong. Nothing has to be going wrong in my life. I'm just going to sign on. I'm going to sign up and I'm going to be a child of God and I'm going to worship him today. Because today, I want victory. And Jonathan went on to say, if they come down here, it's the will of God. If we have to go up there, it's the will of God. Either way, it's the will of God because we're going to have victory today. Let me tell you something. We must believe that everything that happens to us as a child of God has to go through the filter of God. I can prove that biblically too, but I don't have time. He knows. He cares. He understands. And he pays because he is the great paymaster. I wished I had about a thousand pennies. I could just pitch at you tonight. Pitch at you. Just pennies. Pennies from heaven. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to make a movie about that. Amen. Three coins in a fountain. That's a good, that's a good name for a movie. Somebody ought to make a movie. Just pennies. Just God. It's not about how much, it's how often he shows up every day when you sign on. Let me finish. In Acts 1, there's two men, one named Matthias and the other named Justice, Joseph called Barsabas, surnamed Justice. Looks like one had a pedigree because he had a bunch of surnames, a genealogy. The other had a concept. Peter set the guidelines for discipleship in Acts chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. He said, 
in order to be a disciple. This was after Judas went to his own place and there was just only 11 now. And so there was going to be another disciple added because there's 12 foundations in heaven. And Judas's name is not going to be there, but this man Matthias's name will be. And here's what Peter said. Peter said, in order to be a disciple, in order to be an apostle, he must accompany us at all times every day. From the baptism of John, when John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, to the ascension of the Lord and witnessed the resurrection. All without having a job and without having a calling as one of the twelve. Matthias, folks, hear me now, for three and a half years showed up without a badge, without a job, without an office, without anybody saying, man, you the next man. But when John baptized Jesus somewhere in the shadows, Matthias said, mm-hmm, I got that one. And somebody had seen him. And I know that TV cameras wasn't there, but he got so regular that even the regulars knew he was there. <laughs> I used to, when I was a little old kid, I went to a church, had about 30 people in, I sat on the front row. The reason I did is because daddy wouldn't let me sit on the back row. I was back there talking one time. Daddy got me by the ear. So help me God and brought me down to the front row. He said, son, this is your place to sit for the rest of your life. I still honor my father. When I go to a conference, I sit on the front row. I just told you about that Seattle conference. They had me a reserved seat front and center. I was right on the front row. But I just, I just, it's just what I am. It's who I am. But I, I remember, I remember a, a pastor coming up to me when I was just a little old kid. And he'd seen me at camp meetings and youth camps. And I was on that front row just eating it up. And he walked up to me and he said, you're going you're gonna to be used of God someday, son. <laughs> Didn't have a pedigree. Mom and daddy were sharecroppers. And daddy went to work for an oil field when I was 10 years old. And mama taught school after I left. Didn't have any, no, 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 no blood in me, no bloodline of preachers. Didn't have nobody. In fact, most of my family's all lost. They, a lot of them are criminals. I'm, I'm, that's a fact. But every time something was happening, I wanted to be there. I wanted to show up. So Matthias is there. He's watching that baptism. And when that... When that man was healed of that blind eyes, he was right there at the pool of Siloam watching him wipe that, those eyes with that mud out. When all that stuff happened, Matthias was there. And then when the Christ was crucified, Matthias was somewhere in that crowd. He didn't run away. The disciples did all but John, but he didn't run away. And when the resurrection took place, somewhere outside, those ladies coming to anoint his body and somewhere outside of Peter and John running to that tomb Matthias was there chugging too because Matthias was there no title no name just if any man wants the occupation of a worshiper 
Would somebody go to work in my vineyard? That's all God's asking. If you want something from me, if you want me to show up every day, why don't you show up every day? Why don't you praise me? Why don't you love me? Why don't you give me everything you've got? Come on, somebody. Clap your hands big time right now. So they cast lots. Whose name do you think is going to come out of there? Somebody with a pedigree or somebody with a concept? Concepts. Worshippers. Eddie Rickenbacker got his first job. Remember Eddie Rickenbacker? Eddie Rickenbacker got his first job when he wasn't even hired. He went to the Freyer Miller Automobile Company, and Mr. Freyer was busy, so Eddie walked in and said, Mr. Freyer, I need to talk to you. I know you're busy. Let me talk to you. He said, I'll be reporting for work tomorrow. Freyer said, who hired you? Eddie said, nobody yet. But I'll come back in the morning, and I'll come back the next day and the next day. And if I'm worth hiring, hire me. If you don't, just fire me. <laughs> he became famous for his racing. He became the World War I flying ace, hero for all times. Maybe that's how heroes are made. Maybe they just show up every day. Huh. Maybe they just show up every day and say, I'll work for you. It's not how much you give me. It's a fact of how often I get it. You're going to be there every day for me. I've told the story. I've told the story of the minstrel band that was playing in a war-torn country. Randy, if you'll come help me, I've got to quit. I'm not going to hold these people long. Another, another habit we try to create is me shut up a little sooner so you can go home a little quicker. But there's a story of a minstrel band in a war-torn country. They played every night. They are trying to boost the morale of the country they was playing for because that country was getting defeated in the war. Finally, they decided to quit one day because no one was showing up. It was the winter time and the snow was on the ground and it was cold. But they decided they'd play one more night before they broke up because the next night promised to be perhaps a bigger crowd than the five to ten that always showed up. So the next night they came out on the stage, set their little tent up, came out on the stage, and there was about eight people there. But something happened that night, very unique. A man came up and gave a note to one of the singers and said, give it to the leader of the band. And well, I'm gone, and so when they got backstage, when they got back, back behind the tent, the leader opened up that note, and it said, you bless me tonight. I love what you did for the morale of the people. Thanks so much. And it was signed, your king. The king of that country had come incognito that night because he had heard of somebody trying to bring the morale of the country up by songs, and he showed up. Let me tell you something. If you will sign up as a worshiper, in spite of all that you are and all that you're going through, if you will become a worshiper, there's one thing I know. He'll hear you. And there's two things I know. He'll show up every day in your life. So what do you want to be called, Pastor? You want to be called a philosophizer? No, 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 no. I want to be called a worshiping preacher preacher that loved to worship the Lord.
preacher that loved to edify his name and glorify his name. There was a man with an accordion one day playing it. And the tempo picked up. And the people got excited and he threw it up in the air. And it came down upside down. And he grabbed it and continued to play the accordion upside down. So it is with life. It's not always right side up. But you got to keep playing. It's my philosophy. So that's why I come to the pulpit on Sundays. That's why I preach to you tonight. I haven't seen a death Monday a week ago. That's why I can do a funeral and come to the house of the Lord and magnify the Lord. That's why I can see the passing of my own family. I'm not hard-hearted, but I just signed up. I signed up. I signed up. And I'm not trying to, to get you to be emotional, freakish people. We're not going. We're not. We're not going to entertain freakish stuff in this church. But I'm trying to get you to understand that worship is an occupation. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and I'm done, about a man named Abiathar. There was a man named Doeg that came to the city of Nob and destroyed 85 priests that wore the linen ephod. But there was 86 there that wore it, and one got away. And the Bible said he brought that ephod to David. Watch this now. And he held it in his hand and he said, David, I'm the only one that got away. Hear me. You got to listen to me. 25 years later, Abiathar got the real message. Praise and worship is not something we hold in our hand. The ephod is to be worn on the inside. It's something that we are. If any man be a worshiper, him God heareth. It's not what I can wave on a Sunday when everything's going good. It's what I wear when everything's going under. I'm still a praiser. I'm still a praiser. I'm still a praiser. Would somebody magnify him here right now? Come on. Let's sign up. Come on, let's sign up. Come on, let's sign up. Come on, sign up tonight. Sign up tonight. I'll be a worshiper. I'll go to work. I'll go to work on my praise and worship. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'll do it. 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 Come on, magnify Clap your hands real big all over the house. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.